Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, young and old and everything in between, welcome to the Joe Feed Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Barbito. Today's episode is going to be different than the usual format. There's no guest, just me. It's also going to be a lot shorter, so hopefully you enjoy this newfangled format I'm trying out. Black Friday is undeniably the start of the Christmas season. You can no longer hide behind Thanksgiving as a reason to avoid Mariah Carey or peppermint mocha hot chocolate. Everything is green and red, and if you're in a cold place like Chicago, the weather probably sucks. What do you do if you're trapped indoors, watching Boris Karloff explain how Christmas comes from the heart with 10 pounds of flour in your kitchen? You bake cookies. Today, I'm going to tell you a bit about the history of gingerbread cookies. Gingerbread men might be the most visually recognizable Christmas cookies. According to Max Miller of Tasting History, the shape traces its lineage back to two medieval rulers, Frederick III of the Holy Roman Empire and Queen Elizabeth I of England. Allegedly, Frederick had 4,000 gingerbread cookies crafted in his likeness and distributed to children as a means of improving his popularity. Elizabeth would craft these cookies in the likeness of royal guests of honor. The recipe for the cookie itself has a very lengthy history that includes an Armenian hermit, an exclusive German guild, and Swedish nuns with indigestion. Before Frederick went on his PR campaign, a monk named Gregory of Nicopolis arrived in France in the 990s and introduced a sort of honey and spice cake. Max Miller states this confection likely didn't have any ginger in it, and that the first actual European spice cake with ginger was probably the Pierniki Trunski from Poland. These cookies are originally from the Polish city Torin. The city was full of high-quality soil for growing wheat for flour, nearby villages made good honey accessible, and trade routes from India to the Holy Roman Empire brought in necessary spices. In 1380, a local baker named Nicholas Shana created the first documented Torin gingerbread, and its popularity boomed across Poland and the rest of Europe. In the 17th century, the Grauer family opened a workshop to bake and sell these gingerbreads. The local authorities were so supportive of how much trade was being brought in that they reduced taxes and fees on spice imports and Baker's Guild exports. For a modern comparison, this is like Virginia spending $300 million to improve infrastructure and public universities to attract Amazon's HQ2. The Torin gingerbread is now considered an icon of Polish cuisine. Chopin was a huge fan of the Torin gingerbread. These are also often presented as a gift from the city to leaders and other dignitaries. Torin holds an annual gingerbread festival every June. And in the 17th century, a poet named Friedrich Hoffmann said that Torin gingerbread was one of the four best things from Poland. The other three, he said, were vodka, women, and shoes. Sounds like a wild Wednesday night if you ask me. A short 460-mile jaunt to the southwest was Torin's gingerbread arch-rival, Nuremberg. As early as 1395, Nuremberg was producing a spiced honey cake known in German as Lebkuchen. These Lebkuchen had a similar set of ingredients, including the warm spices like cinnamon and ginger you associate with modern gingerbread. Lebkuchen seemed to be considered the most direct predecessor to modern gingerbread cookies. They were harder and firmer than the softer kind of cakes found in Torin. In Nuremberg today, you can find traditional Lebkuchen sold at fairs and their famous Chris Kindlemart. The blog Gingerbread World claims that in 1643, a guild was started to protect Nuremberg Lebkuchen production. Max Miller claims it was founded earlier in the 15th century. It seems like the term Lebkuchen was in use at the time to describe someone who made Lebkuchen. 
As recently as the year 2000, the Washington Post wrote that the guild is still operational and owns the recipe for authentic Nuremberg Lebkuchen. The EU has given Nuremberg gingerbread a protected geographical indication like Parmigiano-Reggiano. So the next time someone offers you a gingerbread, politely tell them, please, it's a spiced ginger cookie unless it comes from the Bavaria region of Germany. If you're anything like me, by this point you've started to wonder, what were the well-known health benefits to consuming so many cookies full of ginger? Well, I'm very glad you asked. In 1444, the nuns of the Vadstina Abbey in Sweden routinely ate gingerbread to ease indigestion. So this year, when you've loaded up on Aunt Marie's secret recipe mashed potatoes, which definitely aren't just boxed potatoes with a lot of added salt and butter, grab a gingerbread and say a Hail Mary like you're living in Linkaping. You may have also made a gingerbread house at some point in your life, which have a history intertwined with the fairy tale of Hansel and Gretel. There's a bit of a chicken-in-the-egg question of whether or not the witch's house was made of gingerbread because it was popular at the time, or if the fairy tale led to the increased interest in gingerbread houses. This is in sharp contrast with Merry Christmas Charlie Brown, where we know for a fact that the heartwarming tale of people making fun of a bald kid ruined the aluminum Christmas tree business. Some final fun notes on gingerbread courtesy of National Geographic. People in Nuremberg often dunk their gingerbread in port wine. Marquis de Lafayette, you know from the American Revolution, was a huge fan of the gingerbread George Washington's mother made and would eat them with the mint julep. This is all a lot funnier when you consider Washington was 44 years old and Lafayette was 18 in 1776. Finally, the largest gingerbread house ever constructed was in Texas. It required a building permit, it was 60 feet long, and it contained 35 million calories. Whether you're decorating a house, baking palm-sized gingerbread people, or honoring the legacy of Frederick III by using Christmas confections to improve your popularity, I hope you learned something from the show, and have a good Christmas baking season. I hope you enjoy this incredibly truncated episode of the Joe Feed Yourself podcast. Please subscribe to the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, follow me on Instagram at Joe Feed Yourself, and remember what Anthony Bourdain used to say, your body is not a temple, it's an amusement park. Eat something good, and I'll see you soon.